may not look like much. She's got it where it counts, kid. This is the Millennial Falcon. I'm Josh. And I am John. Welcome to the greatest podcast that has ever talked about these few episodes, maybe. That sounds right. That sounds about accurate. Does that sound about accurate? Yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. But first, Uh I have something I want to share with you. Should I be scared? No, you should be very excited. Oh, okay. Woo! So, you know what I've been getting really into lately what's that sandwiches 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 sammy's sammy's good old sandy good old sandy sandwich yeah so for a long time i've had a really bad habit of eating out too much Mm -hmm. for my lunches at work and it's no good it's no bueno so i decided i was just gonna start doing you know i'll just make keep keep lunch simple and i'll just like get some sandwich meat and some bread and then I realized the possibilities of this choice are endless. <laughs> are you because discovering the world of different deli meats and no, bread it's just, choices? No, one, it's just so much cheaper. Oh, yeah. To just buy a loaf of bread and some sandwich things. So, like, and I'm I'm just the kind of person, like, if I have to have the same thing for lunch every day, yeah. after, a, after X amount of weeks, I'm just going to be so bored of it, I will, like, go crazy. Oh, yeah, same. That's the beauty of the sandwich. So it's kind of hacking my brain to be like, no, you don't need fast food. You just need different sandwiches. There you go. To just make a little a little better choice. Yeah, I pretty much switch things up all the time. Like I'll I'll go back to old staples like from time to time, but I like I'll have a week or two where I'm like, okay, I'm going to make ramen, but I'm going to make like fancy ramen. So I'll like cut up like spring onions and like pepperettes and different things like that, and I'll like throw it in there with the ramen, and that's pretty good. Shall we get to the review? Yeah, I think we've had enough sandwich talk for one episode. All right, no more Sammies. You do nothing that I say. You must review the Clone Wars on the Millennial Falcon. All right, I'll give it a try. No, try not. Review. Or review not. There is no try. Today... On the podcast, we are reviewing Season 2, Episodes 20 to 22. So the last three episodes of Season 2, titled Death Trap, R2 Come Home, and Lethal Trackdown. Kicking it off with Season 2, Episode 20, Death Trap. Tom, why don't you take us away? Come before the storm. A rare and welcome respite from endless battle awaits Jedi Knights Anakin Skywalker and Mace Windu as they travel through deep space aboard the Jedi cruiser Endurance. Preparing to rendezvous with a Republic frigate, the Jedi remain unaware of a deadly peril lying hidden in their midst. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Death Trap. That is the title. Yes. It's really cool. I don't know if we have before since the Attack of the Clones movie seen... The young little, boba, the little baby clones, yeah, the little young <laughs> little baby clones, <laughs> yeah. the cadets, the baby bobas. Yeah, they are six years old, dude. No, that is yep. that is twelve. Well, they are twelve in like oh, normal mean... age, but they are six literal years old. Oh, okay, but they're because they age and mature twice as fast as clones. They're actually only six years old, but like yeah. they look like twelve year olds. Boba is twelve actual years because he grows like a normal human being but isn't that crazy even that they're 12 year olds and they're in military training which i mean i guess they've been in military training since birth i guess yeah how does a weird thing start so they basically age twice as fast Mm -hmm. do they like does that aging ever stop no or eventually they just get so old and they die like just like normal people or you know have some so they really like i don't know that just is weird to me they really are just like bred for war mm-hmm. yeah like they'll did, they'll die in their like like 40s yeah of old age did if, the if republic, they live that long did the republic ever think of like hey what if when the war is over and they're not all dead oh man do you remember okay previous episode callback now i'm sad 
because the deserter. Oh yeah. He's just gonna like die oh, yeah. so fast. And oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. His oh. kids will be pretty young when he dies. Well, <laughs> there goes my heart. Okay, that's fine. I didn't. Um, I didn't need to be happy today. I'm good. Eventually, when we get to the rebels show, and even I think there might be some Clone Wars episodes that kind of talk a little bit about this, but like what happens after the war kind of stuff. Like, what do you do with the clones? Like, the war is over. What do they do now? Do they become stormtroopers? Do they? just kind of live their own lives like what goes on there so there is other stuff in the future that does kind of get into some of that right away i will say some of them do stay stormtroopers for a little while but many of them defect and basically like Piece it. well you know they, they each i don't know all their stories but you know some of their stories because they're in rebels eventually so rebels is like Rebels is right after is is Rebels like right after Order sixty six or is there some time has no, passed? No, 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 uh, a bunch of time has passed. Okay, yeah, no. Rebels is oh man, the Star Wars timeline. Uh, in the back of my head, there's just so many pieces of shows that I but, get mixed up sometimes. Rebels is after. I want to say it's after Return of the Jedi, but maybe I'm wrong. Let me look it up. So it's five years after A New Hope, which. Also, we won't get to Rebels for a while. No. Okay, okay, okay. No, we'll we'll watch. Yeah, so I was right. It is after the original trilogy. So after 4, 5, 6. But anyway, cool thing with Boba Fett here. Do you know who voice acts him? Okay, that was my question. Mm -hmm. Because some of them sound like they're just like the same voice as the regular clones, but, but pitched up a little bit. But he sounds different to me. Boba sounds different. Yeah. Then the other clones. So I didn't know if they were like voiced separately. So D. Bradley Baker does all of the clones, but the clone cadets are all done by Daniel Logan, who is the same actor who plays Boba in Attack of the Clones. Oh, cool. And I cool? like that. So I like that a lot. It's actually Boba, dude. It's like Boba from. Attack of the Clones, as a kid. He's voicing all of these cadets. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, who knows if they're doing some, like, pitch shifting and stuff for some of these characters or whatever. But, yeah, like, he's not the most talented voice actor, but he does a decent job for some of it. Like, I did notice that some of them sounded a little off. Yeah, some, some of them the clones, weren't clones as... cadets, I should yeah. Like, there's that scene, which is a really cool scene, where, what's his name, Admiral Killian is basically looking at all of the cadets. They're coming on to, like, the gunship area, and the cadets are basically being trained. Is this where he's evaluating their, their target their target side skills? Yeah, so basically, yeah. So he's inviting them to, like, one by one, mm -hmm. go try to shoot down some skeets, basically. Yeah. And they're firing, like, random things into, into space, and they have to shoot down. And then Boba gets on there, and he has, like, super huge, like, skills. Like, he instantly, doesn't miss once, shoots a whole bunch of different targets at yeah, different he, difficulties. He shoots once, and they're like, do that again. So he yeah. shoots three the next time. Yeah, and it's, like, super impressive. So that just kind of establishes Boba even at a young age, which technically he's lived twice as long as all these other cadets, like literally. Yeah. <laughs> but he has a ton of experience, I guess, in shooting. I guess he's been doing a lot of training since we last saw him, which last time we saw him was him holding his father's dead head <laughs> in its helmet <laughs> uh, was the last time we saw Boba. That'll, so, that'll traumatize you. Oh, yeah. So he's basically on a vendetta to kill Mace Windu, basically for killing his father, Django. But yeah, that it, it's it is cool to see that Daniel Logan repri reprises the role. But there is this moment that I was like, "Oh boy, that was a bit rough for the acting." When he does make those shots and takes all those things out, all of the other cadets are like, "Woohoo, yeah!" I remember that. <laughs> it's like, "Oh, that was pretty bad." <laughs> it was just super cheesy. Um, but I mean, I can't, I can't be like too upset by that. The the skeet shooting scene, mm -hmm. the way the camera, like the the camera work there, was really cool. Like I know it's yeah. just animated, but it was really cool how it like pans mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah, it was funny too. Like when he does make all those good shots, you can see even though you don't see the clones' faces when they're wearing the full armor, it it is cool to see like the one clone like react to being like what? Like you can yeah. just picture his face under the mask being like 
like flabbergasted by his skills because yeah. they're not really expecting that these cadets will like no be really worth a lot no nobody their, else could yeah. shoot anything yeah. other than boba so so yeah he looked very i just i also like the one thing about this episode i have a very hard time believing that nobody would suspect boba of of being this treacherous because he keeps disappearing and i'm just like is is yeah. this is this is this like the the clone that's watching them? Is he not ever like turning around? Like, where's the clone with the long hair? He has terrible peripheral vision. He just keeps his eyes forward. Like, does he never <laughs> like? Oh, I should probably check on these kids. Are yeah. they still all there? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it is funny because the uh, clone like commander that's been like walking them through the facility with the training and everything, he looks like he's balding. He does. He looks very bald. Like, and that has got to be a choice because the clones make their own haircuts mm-hmm. and they don't have a genetic defect to be balding, I don't think. <laughs> so it's like he purposefully made it so he's got just the top of his head shaved. Yeah. I just want to be different, Mom. It's not, a, it's not a phase. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, it's just like that is a choice. That is definitely a choice. <laughs> And he doesn't have a name. I was trying yeah. to look it up. I was like, I couldn't find a name for that guy. It's like they didn't want to name the bald clone. He's just he's just clone commander or whatever his name is. I still just like because of where I started with Star Wars, I just have a I just have a bit of a problem. Like sometimes I just look at the the clone armor and I'm like, mm, too much like a Star Trooper. I don't like it. Like a Star Trooper, Stormtrooper. Oh, yeah. Stormtrooper. Words are a difficulty. Even the clone armor is too much like Stormtrooper armor? Yes. Well, I mean, it's supposed to be, so. like, basically an homage to it. Yeah. I mean, technically, they came first mm-hmm. in the timeline, so. What came first, the clone or the storm? Wow. That was awful. Wow. That was the worst <laughs> thing I've ever said in my life. Um, I-, I was thinking, though, like, on your comment about, like, them not, like, how do they not suspect Boba? Um. It would be tough, I feel like, to immediately be like, oh, my goodness. Like, because basically uh, Boba plants a bomb to kill Mace Windu. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, one of the clones goes into his chambers before him and blows up. Uh, I mean, it's sad that the clone dies, but thankfully Mace Windu didn't die in that moment. (laughs) I was going to make a really (laughs) sassy comment, but you ended it the way you did, so I'll let it go. Okay. Okay. so it's like they know something's up. They know there's some kind of traitor or something somewhere. And they've had clones be traitors before in the past. So it's not mm-hmm. like they've completely ruled that out. But it would be tough, I feel like, to immediately suspect one of your brothers to be the traitor mm-hmm. or to be the person that's on the ship somewhere. Like it's way more likely for there to have been someone that snuck onto the ship and is doing all this hiding in the rafters True. or something like that. So, like, I feel like that would be the last thing that they would actually suspect, especially a kid that's true. only six that, years old going that, and doing all this. <laughs> that is true. I'm just, like, I think I was just more annoyed at the, like, the clone that's watching them. Like, dude, yeah. turn around for just half a second. Yeah. Like, the fact that he never got caught. Oh, yeah. He's gone for, like, was I don't know. annoying like to me. 20 minutes at a time, 15 minutes at a time. Who knows? Is That's what they kind of make it seem like anyway. Yeah. It's not. It, it's definitely a little while. But I, what I was thinking is because he's what they're walking in like um, it's not single file, two file. What do you call that? Two rows. Two by two. Two by two. They're walking two by two. But the guy next to Boba doesn't say anything or That's notice what I'm anything. Saying. Nobody's gonna be like, "Hey, uh, where's Boba?" Like you think the kid that was next to him would have been like, "Hey, where were you?" <laughs> I mean, they're twelve years old. Twelve yeah. year olds love to tell on each other. It's true. It's true. Anyway. One thing that seems to keep happening throughout this series so far is Mace Windu knows how to use the Force better than, like, anybody else. Yeah. Like, he just, he uses the Force when it's logical to do so. Like, whereas there's so many other moments that we've talked about throughout this show where it's like, oh, if they just would have used the Force. But Mace Windu is using the Force always when you think they should use the Force because the ship blows up because Boba basically makes, like, the core explode or whatever and uh, doesn't he take a bunch of shots in the yeah he like shoot, he shoots at the yeah in the engine room he shoots at like the core engine core or whatever and so part of the ship blows up and immediately mace windu like reacts and catches admiral killian with the force and like saves him mm-hmm. and stuff and i was like dude yes 
Yeah. Thank you for doing that. That is what you should do as someone who has the force. <laughs> I think it's time for another one of those theories by John moments. Uh-oh. But I'm actually curious what you think. This is, okay, I don't, okay, okay. I don't think this one will make you as mad. So my, I think I always notice about Mace Windu is he's a lot more detached than like even Obi-Wan or any of the other Jedi. So I wonder if it's like the other Jedi in certain moments are more like heightened emotions so they're not thinking as clearly to like, oh, I should use the Force at this moment. And he's just oh. like more... Less in tune with his emotional side, more in tune with the, with like more more given over to the force and less given over right. to his own emotions. He seems much more like um, detached. De- detached is that the word? Like dedicated to the force, or well, you know how you're like um, you 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 should not be. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, like detached from his emotions. You mean? Yeah. Oh, yes, I would agree with that. So I feel like that's why he's he's more logical. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. What's the oh okay? How I cannot word this right now, but the Jedi are supposed to are not supposed to form attachments. So, yeah, that's so it. So I feel like maybe he's more like willing to do that than maybe the other ones are. They don't struggle with it as much. So yeah. he's more able to like. Well, I'll just be more in tune with the Force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we have um, already seen that. I mean, there's definitely been a lot more proof that Anakin and Obi Wan. Both do have more feelings than maybe the I mean, most we, of the other masters. We did just learn that Obi-Wan has lots of feelings of love. Oh, yeah. For Satine. <laughs> exactly. Obi, so. Obi's got a girlfriend. Anyway. I did think that the plot in this was actually pretty good. Like, just the, the whole concept of Boba, a child, like, going in trying to get revenge for his dad mm-hmm. and everything and literally planting bombs on the ship and everything like he's very capable this this kid single-handedly destroyed an entire like republic space wow starship mm-hmm. so that's like pretty impressive yeah um so that's is not average 12 year old behavior oh no, no no this is boba fett dude boba fett just shows that boba fett was like you know a force to be reckoned with even at a young age hey there's a boba fett show isn't there yeah oh i'm excited for that too it's good I enjoyed it. Yeah. A lot of people didn't like that one as much. They just say it was Bam- uh, Mandalorian season 3.5 or whatever it was, which it kind of is. Was it animated? No, no, no. It's live action. Boba Fett was live action? Yeah. Nice. Did... Um, Same actor reprised the role. What was his name again? Daniel... Oh, no. Not Daniel Logan. Daniel Logan plays young Boba. Oh, But the yes. adult... Okay. J- the guy who plays Jango Fett basically returns oh, to play sweet. Boba Fett. I like it. Tamura Morrison. Don't think I'm saying his name right. <laughs> Tamura? Tamara? Something like that. I was going to make a comment. You know how they're they're in... So Boba destroys the starship, and then they're all told to go get into their escape pods and, yeah. and peace out. How did nobody... This is the thing that really... I think this is my gripe with this episode. How does nobody ever see him do anything? Because he like... Does something on the control panel to like sabotage the escape pod? Yeah, nobody notices. Yeah, nobody notices anything. This guy, like, it's just like something that always bugs me in in the plot lines of movies and in series is when there's just like Some, line coincidence, yeah. just over and over and over again. Yeah, it just really, I'm like, this would never happen. <laughs> I mean, we're watching a show about a galaxy far, yeah. far away, so yeah. I mean. He's just a master, dude. He's like a master at like disguise, hiding things. I don't know. <laughs> and then we get that cool ship that we, uh, dude, the saw Slave the One. Yeah. yeah, the Slave One's back. This is the same Slave. I had to look this up. This is the same Slave One from Attack of the Clones. So basically, after Django died, Boba inherited his father's ship and basically took it over and has had it ever since. Um, kind of a thing, so which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Also, we have the introduction of Aura Singh, who is Boba's mentor in this, like another bounty mm-hmm. hunter. Um, I was going to ask if we'd seen her in anything before. W- she was in Phantom Menace for oh. a brief three-second okay. scene. Like a cameo? Yeah. Uh, I didn't even know this until I looked it up today, <laughs> but uh, there's a three-second scene during the pod race. She's basically watching the pod race from like a balcony. Oh. That is literally all we see from her. Okay, so and this is her, basically her introduction. This is basically her first appearance that we get more from. <laughs> so 
I, I well, she's in the comics, like chronologically in, in the canon. She is actually in some of the Darth Maul comics, which I've actually read. So you do get to see a lot more from her in the comics and things. But as far as the show goes, this is the first time we've seen her. Yep. She kind of almost looks to me like slightly adjacent to what Asajj Ventress would look like. Um. Yeah, I don't think she's from Dathomir. I think it's just a really pale face. Yeah, she's yeah, she's just like a pale white uh, person. I actually don't know what alien species she is. Um, but she's basically a cyborg <laughs> because she has an antenna built into her head. Yes, that's right. I was wondering if that was like mm-hmm. she has like an augmentation. So yeah. another interesting thing about this episode was I wasn't sure. It was slightly. I'm like, oh, that's honorable. But then also I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Save your own life. Mm-hmm. Admiral Killian just is like I'm going down with the oh, ship. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I I get the like the historical yeah, sentiment of it, yeah. but I'm like, no, dude fight another day come mm-hmm, on like mm-hmm. rally let's go yeah you real. have a way off and you're just I, that to me just seems stubborn yeah i don't know and like there's other clones they're like i'm going down with you kind of a thing and it's just like wow you guys must have really loved your captain because like you must have been a great yeah. uh admiral of the ship because he had like four clones i think with him maybe four or five uh, different clones that helped him guide the ship to the crash land <laughs> on on the place, not knowing if they'd even make it. Um, yeah. Which is such a cool thing when you have an absolutely massive spaceship just like crash land on a planet. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. So when Anakin, another thing I thought, this was just funny to me. When Anakin mm-hmm. finds the missing escape pod, yeah, their comms are all down. Mm-hmm. So I wonder what it looks like from their side, looking at Anakin like, oh, yay, rescue has come. Oh, he's just oh, he's leaving. Okay, that that's fine. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, we're rescued. Hey, where are you going? Yeah. <laughs> I also did have a thought of like, yeah, let's uh, let's trust Anakin Skywalker to uh, save the younglings. <laughs> that's something we can do. Uh, yeah, that was a great idea. Fun fact about this episode: before we get to the ratings, there is a Wilhelm scream. Okay, yes. I, I had it in my notes. And oh, I was, did you? I was waiting for you to bring it up because if you weren't, I was going to. Yeah, there's a Wilhelm scream when the ship explodes and people get sucked yeah. into space. I love a good Wilhelm yeah, oh, scream. I love it so much when I catch one. <laughs> can we can we insert the Wilhelm scream? Wow. wow. Well, that was that was actually the real one. Yeah. Oh, is that the real one? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Should we get to the ratings? Let's get to these ratings. What you brought me today is worth approximately 3,720 to one. Come on, let's keep a little optimism. Okay, so we got story, we got artistry, and we got entertainment value. Mm-hmm. Story. I gave it a 6.2. Yeah, that's like, I'm kind of on the same page. I don't want to rate it. Like, it was... It was okay. It was It was. In, it was mid-range yeah, for it, me. Yeah, it was very mid-range. It, it wasn't... Like, I don't know if I'd want to say the story was good. It was entertaining, but we're not in entertainment yet. As far as just story goes, the plot was very simple, very straightforward, really not a whole lot. Like, if you were to write out the plot of this episode on paper, it'd be pretty short. Boba tries to kill Mace, ends up destroying a ship. And then escapes. Yep. Yeah. So, like, that is basically the plot of this episode. So, really not a lot going on. There really wasn't that... Like it was, it just wasn't really overall that interesting, other than the whole concept of getting to know what cadets look like and and like what they do and everything like that. So like learning about clone cadets and Boba himself was very interesting. We get the introduction of Aura Singh, but the dialogue in this was kind of lacking, in my opinion. There wasn't really a ton of great dialogue. There wasn't just a lot going on. So that, that's why I kind of just gave it. Uh, this was okay kind of a rating 6.2 yeah i don't know if i mentioned it yet. i'm gonna give it a 6.3 i feel like the sixes for me are like the okays same and this is in the bottom this is the bottom half of okay for me yeah so same. i'm gonna say 6.3 artistry i gave it a 5.9 whoa that's wow because of the acting the acting was yeah. pretty bad. <laughs> I was gonna pu- I was gonna put it in the in the sixes again. I think I'm gonna go six point one. Yeah. The visual aesthetic of it was, you know, just as good as the average episode. So like the visual effects, if you will, I know it's animation, 
but like the animation style and everything was fine. There wasn't any scenes in this. I have one gripe for animation, and it's just the silliest thing, but I thought it was kind of silly. Hmm. I didn't like the way they drew the cadets' noses. <laughs> I don't even remember what their noses looked like. Man. They were too pointy up for <clears throat> what the cl- what the adult clones look like. Oh, really? It's like, how do they evolve from that to but adult I form? I think they were trying to like base it on the actor from Attack of yeah, the Clones. I think you're right. I think they're trying to base it off Daniel Logan, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know what? I'm actually looking at a picture of Daniel Logan. I think they were. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll say six months one. Yeah. Yeah. The, the acting. It was just a lot of the clone cadets. Like, I'm sorry, Daniel Logan. Like, I do love you as Boba. But a lot of the other characters that he was trying to pull off were just not great. The, and, the woo scene kind uh, of kind of struggled. That scene itself like lost a whole half a point just in that scene with yeah. how cheesy it was that it just brought me right out. Yeah. I was like, which is that was bad. <laughs> which is unfortunate because yeah. the actual like scene itself with the camera and the shooting mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. was great. Oh yeah, it's just the voice acting, and it wasn't just um, like uh, Daniel Logan's characters that he was doing. There was some other characters too. Um, I'm trying to remember specifically, but there's just other moments with characters. I was like, man, that really wasn't the best performance and stuff. Yeah. So that's that's why it got all the way down to just kind of meh for me, like 5.9, like top of the, eh, it's okay, yeah, kind of a thing. So yeah. I know there was one specific thing. I think this is when Boba ends up in the engine room and one of the clones was like, hey, something like, yeah. hey, I know what you're doing. Yeah, that was also... And the suspense of like, you're lost, or something like that. Yeah. Let's get you back to your friends, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's a little cringy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. What was your score for artistry? 6.1. 6.1? Cool. Entertainment value? I'm going to bump it up just a little bit for entertainment value, because mm-hmm. it was good. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm going to say it's in the like the bottom half of good, so I'm going to say 7.2. 7.2? I thought it was a 6.8 for me. Yeah? I, I was entertained by the like the Boba stuff. Like I already said, I don't want to repeat myself too much. But I don't know. It just it didn't quite get too good. Like if something was good, I would be like, hey, go watch this episode of Clone Wars and you'll enjoy yourself. Whereas this one, I was just like, it's just kind of all right. Yeah. I don't know. So 6.8 for me, which brings my average score to a 6.3. Mine is a 6.5, which brings our official Millennial Falcon rating of this episode, Death Trap, to a 6.4. 6.4. That sounds good to me. All right, let's get to the next one. R2, Come Home. Season 2, Episode 21. Tom, take us away! Revenge! Boba Fett, son of the notorious bounty hunter Jango Fett, infiltrated a Jedi cruiser in an attempt to assassinate General Mace Windu, the man who killed his father. After a near miss at Windu's quarters... Boba was forced to destroy the Jedi cruiser and escape with the help of notorious bounty hunter Aura Singh. Now, having lost contact with Admiral Killian, when his doomed starship crashed, the Jedi searched for survivors with the aid of a Republic rescue ship. Can I say just one thing real fast? Mm -hmm. If Admiral Killian hadn't have, like, been so stubborn and said, I'm going to go down with the ship, they wouldn't have any hostages. You didn't thank Tom. I was just so angry about that. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Tom. <laughs> Way to just jump in there. Tom, I'm really sorry. Thank I was you, just, Tom. I was feeling a lot of emotions, and I was just I, I was just frustrated. I'm sorry I, I didn't mean to take it out on Tom. Poor Tom Kane. So anyway, <laughs> the fact that Admiral Killian just decides he's going to go down with the ship very stubbornly yeah, yeah. means they have hostages. So thanks for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, they survived, which I guess is a good thing. So, you know, he went down with the ship and he made it. Yeah. So him and a, and a few of the clones. So made it as hostages. Yeah. Oh, there's this great line, like right in the beginning of this when. So Anakin and Mace Windu with their droids, basically their astromech droids, basically go and inspect the crash site looking for survivors to see if Admiral mm-hmm. Killian and any of the clones made it. And um, R2 is like beeping and stuff. 
And Anakin's like, I don't like the feel of this place either, buddy. And Mace Windu's like, your astromech is programmed to feel. <laughs> and I was just like. That's funny. I, I love that. And it's like, yeah, R2 is. Uh, and he's like, R2 is kind of a special case. Yeah. And everything. So I, I, I love that R2 has so much experience in him because Anakin refuses to wipe his memory banks and stuff. Yeah. And so that's why he just has so much character and experience and everything. So it's just awesome. I love yeah. R2 so much. Mace Windu definitely seems to like not give a hoot oh, no. about R2. No. It's like, it is a droid. It is not a friend, kind of. This thing. kind of, but again, this kind of backs up. Like he's so emotionally detached, yeah, stoic. So, um, I'm curious. I was going to ask you this: which version of Mace do you prefer, Samuel Jackson or the Clone Wars? I I really do like Terrence Carson. I think is his name. I love his portrayal of Mace Windu. Yeah, yeah. He Mace Windu gets, in the Clone Wars is great. He even gets the voice kind of close. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you're never going to get. Like as close to Samuel Jackson as you as no you could, but he he does a really good job of like the cadence and the yeah. way he he speaks. He does a really good job. No, I I love Mace Windu in the Clone Wars. Like we just get so much more from him, right? Because yeah. we we really don't get a whole lot in Attack of the Clones. Like we get the fighting scene with him and Jango Fett, which is brief, but not a ton more than that. We get yeah. some dialogue from him, but actually like seeing him in action and like doing stuff, we don't get yeah. much of that at all. So there's so many cool Clone Wars scenes where we just get to see his skills. And I also really like seeing him in Tales of the Jedi. I know that's nothing to do with this episode, but yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm a big Mace Windu fan. Mm-hmm. I forget the name of them, but these monsters that are kind of coming after R2 and R8. Yes. Is it R8 or 88? I think it's R8. No, it has to be R8. It's R8. I'm willing to put money on it being R8. R8 B7. Yeah. These monsters, they look Gungdarks. Gungdarks. They look insane. Yep. Like, they look huge and... Got an extra pair of tiny arms. Jacked and, like, little T-Rex arms. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're pretty crazy. They just, like, rip R8 in half. Like, yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah, and Mace Windu probably didn't even shed a single tear for nope. for his droid. He doesn't care. It's, it's like, just a droid. Whatever, it's his droid. Move on. He pro- I don't even know if he would shed a tear for Anakin or anyone. That's true. He wouldn't. He yeah, absolutely well, would not. That's really sucky because I kind of needed him to watch my back. But He wouldn't shed a tear for his mother because <laughs> he never knew her because no Jedi knows who their parents are. <laughs> what? They're taken when they're like toddlers. They barely remember oh, their parents. So I'm just thinking because Anakin Anakin was mommy. older when he yeah. got taken. So, yeah. Interesting. There's another fun line, like a moment between Anakin and R2 where R2 is like needing to like do some scans to try to find life forms. And Anakin's like, it's okay, just do your best, buddy. And he's just, like, he's so encouraging yeah. and stuff to R2. And it's just, like, I love how it's, like, when Anakin talks to basically anybody else, it's, Full like, of sass. Hey, yeah, lots of sass, lots of, like, you know. Lots of quips, lots like, of sarcasm. Like, can you even do this? But when it comes to R2, he's like, oh, it's okay, buddy, you can do it. Like, you're my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is just great. I would even say he's probably nicer to R2 than he is to Padme. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially in that, especially in Revenge of the Sith. That's yeah. for sure. He's not nice to anybody. In no, <laughs> man, I'm still just like a little annoyed at like the hostage thing, but it did it did play out as a really good part of the storyline. I think I will say that. Yeah, it is interesting. Like we get to see Boba's basically his posse, if you will. Or posse is a terrible word. His gang? <laughs> I don't know. What do you even call them? A gang of bounty hunters, I suppose. So but, bounty hunters? Yeah. Aura Singh, Bosk, and uh, Castus, I believe, are the, the bounty hunters that are with him. It's it's really just interesting to see how much Aura Singh cares about Boba. Like, she keeps, like, defending him and stuff throughout this and is, like, not babying him by any means, but is very much, like... He's almost acting like a big sister kind of a, a deal. Yeah. She definitely doesn't baby him. No. But she defends him. Yep. And like looks out for him mm-hmm. and stuff in a way that's like almost like, dude, that's like, like, why do you care this much about him? Like what happened these last 
few years in between Attack of the Clones and now. Did she kind of take over raising him from Boba or from Jango? Yeah, like from what I could tell, I looked into this a little bit in the Wikipedia and stuff. From what I can tell, and I could be missing some stuff, but basically after, like shortly after Jango dies, he basically encounters Aura Singh and they kind of just stick together and she mm-hmm. basically becomes his mentor and stuff and teaches him to be a bounty hunter just like his dad because Jango did know Aura Singh before and has tons of experience with all sorts of different bounty hunters. He's like a very well-known bounty hunter. And so he would have a name to himself and Aura would probably just be like, I knew your father. I'm going to protect you kind mm-hmm. of a thing. I don't know. Like, I don't know if Jango had some kind of arrangement with her to like, hey, look out for my son. If something happens to me or something like that, I actually don't know. But I couldn't really find too much details in my brief yeah. research on this. So, yeah. This did kind of become homolony a little bit. Oh, yeah. I totally wrote that down, too. I was like, R2 is totally homoloning the bounty hunters, dude. Yeah, no, it was so great. <laughs> it was awesome. Like, the amount of times he, like, just throws stuff. And it keeps, <laughs> yes. like, if you notice, it keeps getting more aggressive. Like, first he throws down one big thing, and then it's, yeah. like, a few. Also, just a ton of boxes. Oh, man. Just get ripped down. I it's love it. It's so funny. I love it. Oh, I, R, R2 is one of my, is just so entertaining. Oh, yeah. And then especially when him and C-3PO are mm-hmm. together, it is oh. just yes gold. Gold. Almost every time. Yes. Yeah. And not just gold because of C-3PO, but. Ha, pun intended. Ha. Yep. But yeah, it is great. Because Anakin and Mace Windu basically get pinned in the ship. And so they're like, R2, you got to go for help. And as he's getting out of there, he's like, ah, there's bounty hunters coming. So he just starts, like, throwing things down the elevator shafts and holes and things like that, like you're saying. But it it is just hilarious, like, how he's defending. (laughs) Wouldn't – so Mace and Anakin are trapped, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And they try to use the Force to get them out. I feel like they should be able to, like, between the two of them, get enough power in them to, like – Yeah. Like, That just seemed like a plot device. In this one, where it was just like, they just wrote that in to make the rest of this episode make sense that using the force wasn't working. Because Anakin gets mad at Mace Windu when he finally comes to consciousness. And it's like, I already tried that. Like, you can't use the force to get out of this and stuff. Because, like, the ship starts collapsing in on itself. But you think they would just use the force to pick up everything and push it out of the way so they can get out. Like, especially Mace. Or just, like, literally, like, give yourself two, three more inches of, of, of wiggle room. One of you holds it, the other one yeah. gets out. Just activate force bones and yeah. dash yourself out of there. Force Easy. Bones. Easy. <laughs> this episode of the Millennial Falcon is brought to you by Force Bones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, it is fun because after R2 basically deals with the bounty hunters, he also takes out one of the Gundars, I think is the monster name again. I forget. Yeah, Gundarks. Uh, he takes out one of the Gundarks, like, very impressively. Basically attaches him to one of the ships and like sends it flying into space or not into space, but like over the planet to crash Mm -hmm. land and explode. I was like, whoa, dude. Yeah. R2 like can't be reckoned with, dude. No. (laughs) R2's an animal. No. And then on top of all this, this is an R2 episode. Like this whole episode is is R2 centric. So that's why we're only talking about R2. (laughs) Um, But it is cool after so after he, he takes on the bounty hunters then he takes on the mounts the monsters and then he somehow <laughs> outmaneuvers the bounty hunters in like a a uh, a dog fight essentially mm-hmm. they go after him in the spaceships and he's like dodging all of the blaster fire and stuff all the way into space just in time to pick up one of the hyperspace rings and blasts off and mm-hmm. gets help but man, there's nothing R2 can't do. <laughs> no, I I always, and I've said this already, but I'll say it one more time. I love a good R2 episode. And I'm not even mad about it. Like, yeah. sure, is it completely unrealistic? Yes. But is it R2-D2? Yes. <laughs> R2-D2 can get away with anything. <laughs> yes. We'll gripe about it with anybody else, but R2-D2 can get away with it. Yes, that. exactly. It is canon for R2 to just be able to accomplish ridiculous things. Like yes. him and C-3PO can just casually walk through a barrage of blaster fire without getting hit once. So And, and also, <laughs> so can Jar Jar. Yeah. Jar Jar can just like, he could just dance his way through an entire war. 
That I have more problems with for some reason. <laughs> yeah. No, it's that's the point, though. It's it's okay when R2 does it. Another really good addition to this episode is one of my personal favorite mm-hmm. Jedis. I was waiting for you to say the this. The one, the only, the great, the powerful, oh, the magnificent. That's too much credit. Plo Koon. Jedi Master <laughs> Plo Koon. And Ahsoka. Oh, yeah, she's there, too, with her yeah. tube top. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, they come to the rescue. Yes. At the very end. So, it like, just when it looks like all hope is lost, oh, um, not Obi-Wan, R2-D2, finally manages to go get help. Mm-hmm. And in come Plo Koon and yeah. Ahsoka to the rescue. And it's funny, because when R2 does finally get um, back to Coruscant, he, like, rushes into, like, a meeting room, like, tumbles down the stairs and does the classic, you know, like, R2 screaming sounds and everything. And it's just, like, he's bumping into one of the other droids to get access to the holograph or hologram mm-hmm. machine or whatever. And it, it's just funny because he's like, get out of my way. And then the other droid's like, no, this is my spot <laughs> and stuff. And it's just <laughs> little, this t- little fight. funny little, like, cliche fight thing going on. But it was, it was hilarious and I loved it. Yeah. Another thing about Slave 1, though. Yeah. It looks like a very, like, I don't know what these ships run on, what kind of fuel. Do they ever mention what kind of fuel these ships run on? Um, I feel like they do, but I I don't know enough about it. Yeah, but anyway, that's not the point. It's so ergonomically poorly designed. Oh, yeah. The Slave just, 1 like, is, is a terrible just, design. <laughs> it would just eat through fuel like nobody's business. Yeah, it, it's it's more of, like, the whole fact that, like, the ship is, like has to be like upside down and yeah. right side up at different moments mm-hmm. and things like when it lands you have to like land on your back and everything and the whole sh- in- interior of the ship has to like kind of shift around which you think would take up a lot more space in the ship to build those kind of mechanisms it just seems completely unnecessary it's a very impractical design for a ship but it looks cool it and does look cool it is one of my number one favorite starships yeah. i love a good x-wing fighter personally I love the X-Wings as well, but the Slave 1 is just a classic because there's only one of them. It's yeah. literally a one-of-a-kind spaceship, and I love it. Yeah. I think my favorite ship that we've seen so far in Star Wars still has to be Queen Amidala's silver, oh, yeah. silver ship. That yeah. one was super cool. I always, thought, I always thought of that one as like the Porsche of starships. Josh looks over on his wall of Star Wars memorabilia. Uh, I thought I had one over there because I can't remember what it's called. I think it's I at think home. It's the Nubian. I <laughs> oh yeah, Nubian. yeah, yeah, the Nubian cruiser. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Another thing I kind of liked about this episode was you kind of see Boba's inner struggle with like, oh, I don't know about keeping these hostages. I don't think it's right. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of get the start of that in this episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. Boba is Bo- Boba. Like even in the last episode, was questioning. Yeah. Like, choices and stuff. It it, it plays on that a lot more in the next episode, but this one you Mm kind of see, like, I don't know about this. I don't like it. Yeah. So. Yeah. He's got some good in him, even though he is a bounty hunter and a little bit ruthless, you know. He's he's got some light and dark in him. For him, he's only in this because, like, he just wants revenge on Mace for killing his dad, whereas Aurora or Aura? Aura. Aura Singh is just like, no, I just want to, I just want to kill. I yeah. don't know. Which you, you're not very clear on what her motivation even is other than to help Boba. Yeah. I mean, I guess money. Like, they are trying to save. I, I thought that's what it was. She just. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I take it back. They're they're kind of just, they're in it for the money, I guess. So. Yeah. Interesting thing is, which I'm surprised Boba parted with it, but to blow up or re-blow up, I should say, the ship, mm-hmm. like when he was setting like the initial booby trap for Mace Windu again. Uh, to try to take him out, he used his father's helmet to put the bomb inside. Was that his dad's helmet? That was literally his dad's helmet. And Mace Windu actually talks about it and stuff. How like that, like this matches the helmet that I, or like this matches a Mandalorian that I fought, or something along those lines. And so that was Django's helmet, dude. I wonder if that was like a a calling card, like, hey, Mace Windu, you know who this is, and you know what I'm doing. Oh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. yeah, I think it was assigned to him, but it's like there's only one of those, I'm pretty sure. Like, those things aren't exactly a dime a dozen. That's a very 
you know, difficult helmet to get your hands on. Yeah. And he just took it out because that, that was like probably one of the last things he has from his dad other than yeah. his ship. Even in their last moments, like when they think they're done for, our, Mace Windu still just has zero faith in R2. He's like, well, guess your astromech failed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, don't worry, he'll come through. Yep, he's like, yep. nope, he sucks. It's over. No, Anakin will never lose faith in R2. Yeah. Oh, also, look at that. At the end of the episode, what do they do to save them? They use the Force. Why didn't you guys use the Force? Yeah, isn't that that was another thing? I forgot to actually write a comment about this, but I remember when I watched it, I actually had to rewind it because I was like, wait a second, how the heck did they even get them out? Because all you see is the clones running in and start to like slowly lift up some of the metal that was on top of them, and then it cuts away, and all of a sudden oh, they're out. You know what it is? I'm sorry, I, I forgot them. So Plo Koon and Ahsoka are using the force to steady the ship so that yeah. they can keep their tethers attached to guide the the yeah. clones down yeah but it to me it looked like and maybe i'm wrong it looked like they were just lifting it so maybe because they were pinned down they couldn't lift it they didn't have the leverage that I the think, clones would have i think they were trying to keep the the cockpit of the like the starship yeah like together because it was all falling apart yes they're trying right. to hold you're it right. together right. while the the clones basically rescued anakin and mace so they didn't they would have needed help because they couldn't yeah. have like kept it stable and released themselves i guess so it just so. it still seemed like a moment like yeah you definitely could have used the force to get yourself out of that situation if they all they did is just lift it up with their yeah. own hands i mean yeah, agreed oh well there's two of them but anyway yeah it makes for a great plot should we get to the ratings let's get to some ratings what you brought me today is worth approximately three thousand seven hundred and twenty to one come on let's keep a little optimism kicking it off with story yeah, you know the deal. Story, artistry, entertainment value. I gave it a 7.5 for story. Yeah? I thought it was good. Like, even though it is just a very R2-centric story, which is kind of, like, whimsical and all that stuff, I, I thought the elements that, like, the, it, there isn't a ton developed here, but the elements where you do kind of get to see the interactions between Aura Singh and Boba and stuff, you, this is the episode where you definitely start to realize... Oh, Aura Singh is, like, really on Boba's side. Like, she keeps defending him mm -hmm. and stuff. And they just had some interesting development in the whole journey of Boba trying to get back at Mace and stuff like that. Like, there there was some interesting stuff going on there in between all the R2 things. Um, but just the, the overall story of a robot defending and rescuing two Jedi is just a fun and interesting story yeah. to me. Um, it is. Like I had a much better time with this one, and maybe maybe I did rate story a little bit too high. Now that I'm thinking about it, I might need to bump it down a notch or two because entertainment was definitely high on this one. But story, you know, what? I, I'm going to change my mind. I, I yeah. think I I think I rated a little bit too high. So, I'm going to say seven point two. Okay, because I rate this as six point nine. Six point nine. It was like it was okay, mm -hmm. but it was on the very top of okay. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah, seven point two. Artistry, 7.4. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would very much agree. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go 7.4 as well, honestly, because there wasn't really anything that I hated. Mm -hmm. The performances oh, were fine. Dude, you know what? I almost wonder if I have to bump Artistry up just because those uh, those Gundarks, they look really cool to me. And yeah. there were some really cool scenes. You know what? Yeah, I'm going to go 7.6. Yeah. Yeah, I, I liked a lot of the the environment from, like, the crashed ship mm -hmm. kind of stuff, like, how they, they made all that. But the acting was much better in this one, like, the performances from all the different characters. I mean, there's a lot more characters in this one. But I thought overall, like, the, the acting wasn't even close to how bad the last one was. I thought it was pretty, yeah. like, standard for the show. So 7.4 for me. Yeah, fair. Entertainment value. Yeah. This is high for me. Yeah? I was so entertained by this episode. I thought it was so much fun. Like, I laughed quite a bit in this one. And, of course, when you're laughing, you're more entertained just because of all yeah. the crazy R2 stuff. Um, 8.1, dude. Wow, okay. I had a great time. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I had a great time. <laughs> 7.8 for me. Yeah. It was good. It was good. Mm -hmm. It was very fun. 
That makes my average score a 7.6. Mine was a 7.4. 7.4. Which makes R2 Come Home, Season 2, Episode 21 of The Clone Wars, a Millennial Falcon 7.6. 7.5. 7. 7.5. <laughs> yep. All right, here we go. Next episode, Lethal Trackdown. Tom, why don't you take us away? Lethal Trackdown. The young Boba Fett has taken the law into his own hands and made two attempts on the life of Mace Windu, the Jedi Master who killed his father. Boba's mentor, bounty hunter Aura Singh, has taken three Republic officers hostage in an effort to force Windu to face Boba on their terms. A tactic that does not sit well with the young vigilante. Thanks, Tom Kane. Thank you, Tom. Again, sorry for my rudeness earlier, Tom. Man, you're always so rude. I know. It's the worst. Uh, speaking of Tom Kane, in his intro there, Tom calls Boba a vigilante. Did you catch he that? He does. I, I thought didn't... that was a weird description of what Boba is. Hmm. Is a vigilante someone who tries to assassinate a Jedi? Because <laughs> I would I would equate a vigilante as like a Batman or a Green Arrow or like I don't know. I've never heard like vigilante describe someone who's just out to seek revenge. That seems more like a villain than a vigilante. But gonna get a definition of vigilante right now. A member of a self-appointed group of citizens who undertake law enforcement in their community without legal authority. Boba is not a vigilante. Yeah, that seems like a really poor description of who he is. I don't know. Yep. I found I found that really, like, weird. <laughs> yep. Speaking of weird, like I said, Mace Windu is just so indifferent. Oh, yeah. Like, he just, he just had his life threatened, like... Mm-hmm. Twice, three times. Yeah. yeah. And then they're like, so, do and Anakin's like, you don't even want to go after him? He's like, no, nah, we got a war to fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, speaking of revenge, he doesn't care about it. Like, he's yeah. like, no, revenge means nothing to me. I don't yeah. care about, like, payback. Like, he'll get what's coming to him eventually. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not worried about it. There's more important things, which is right. I mean, he's totally right. And then Boba sends them a hologram. And everything where uh, or is trying to say to Boba to kill one of the clones, like right there, like point blank in the back of the head. And then he refuses. And so then Aura takes the shot mm-hmm. and everything, which, you know, that's a great establishing shot of like, no, Aura does not care. <laughs> like she will kill like, yep. without hesitation. But Boba hesitates. So mm-hmm. like, which I would think there's part of him that's like, this guy looks like my dad. I don't want to kill him. Oh, you know what? I never thought about that, but that definitely makes sense. Yeah, this guy would look just like his dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even you mentioned like she she kinda like Aura kind of cares for Boba. Mm-hmm. But even then she's like she still gets annoyed, like, hey, you gotta yeah. do what I tell you. When I tell you to pull the trigger, you pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah. It's like she's it almost seems like she's trying to like she's trying to teach him. She's trying to teach him how to be a ruthless bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. And everything in that moment. So she's like, come on. You're not, like, following the training. This is easy stuff. Yep. She's also just, like, ruthless in this mm-hmm, episode. Mm-hmm. Like, she, yeah, don't definitely. Give, she don't give two cares. Not a flying for do. I've never heard that. I've never heard that before. <laughs> no. That's that's a new one for me. A flying for do? I don't know. <laughs> Did you just make that up? No, I think I've heard that somewhere. That's hilarious. It's nice to see that Anakin knows the names of all the clones because like when um, Aura takes out that one clone, he's like, uh, that was, uh, I forget the name. <laughs> I, f- I forget the name of the clones, but Anakin doesn't. <laughs> Mixer? Oh, was it Mixer? I can't remember. I don't even remember either. But it, it's like he recognizes them. Yep. He knows their their mm-hmm. colors. He knows their like haircuts and everything because obviously their faces all look the same. But like he knows them well enough to like know all their names and like, wait. Yeah, he's a good he's a good commander. Like he he, he pays attention. Yeah, yeah. I always love a good. I always love it when Plo Koon and Ahsoka team up. Yeah, like I get They're like a great pair. like half of me is like I kind of wish Ahsoka would have just like had Plo Koon as a master. Well, Ahsoka is kind of the every man's Padawan. 
yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody just like, oh, Ahsoka, she's so great. Yeah, because it is true, though, that, like, there's so many episodes of the show where Ahsoka tends to go on missions with other Jedi mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, yes, she is Anakin's Padawan, but... Like you're saying, like she goes with Plo Koon, she goes with Kit Fisto sometimes, she goes, goes with, with um, Master uh, Sanube. Yeah, like there's all sorts of the different yeah. ones. And it's it's just funny that Ahsoka always yeah. ends up kind of going yeah. out. She's, she's everyone's Padawan. <laughs> Everybody loves Ahsoka. Oh, yeah. This is another great Coruscant Underworld episode. Yeah, it is. It really is. Like I love the, like because I don't think they've shown a shot like this yet. Where there's basically just this gigantic hole in Coruscant, like the city planet, and they just keep going down this giant hole, like descending and descending and descending to get all the way down into the underworld. And it's just like, man, this planet is huge just from the outside. But to think that there's all these like layers and stuff like inside the planet, like for like the underworld, this planet's freaking huge. Yeah. I wonder what the population of Coruscant would be. You know what? I bet you there is a stat for that somewhere. <laughs> I know. I was just about to look. It is cool. In this episode, they highlight some history between like Django and Hondo. So Hondo, yeah. the pirate, it was kind of cool how they like they, they they just referenced that Hondo knew Django and was like an associate of his and everything. So I just thought that was kind of neat. Dude, I just looked it up. According to my, my friend Google, Coruscant which is the city planet capital of the Star Wars Galactic Empire, supposedly has a population of around 3 trillion. What? This is about 430 times Earth's current population. Yeah, I was going to say, we only have like 6 or 7 billion. I think it's it's almost officially 8 billion now. Oh, is it? Man, that is insane. 3 trillion... Holy crap, that's way bigger. That is such a massive number, it's hard to comprehend that. Oh, we officially are 8.1 billion people on planet Earth. Really? Yep. Oh, that must have been recent. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Hondo confuses me. <laughs> in what way? Well, one episode, he's the bad, bad, bad guy. Mm-hmm. And then in this one, he's like, I'm not involved. Yeah. But you can do what you want. I won't yep. stop you. I'm not involved. You need my help? I'm not uh-huh. giving it. Hondo loves to get into trouble while trying to stay as neutral between all yeah. sides as possible. That's kind of his vibe. Yeah. He's always like, I'm going to I'm going to do whatever I can get away with. Yep. But at the end of the day, I'm going to try to stay as neutral as I can. <laughs> I think there's also a part of this like, oh, I'm not dealing with these Jedi. Yeah. There's another moment of Aura Singh just kind of being that mentor for Boba where Boba goes to grab a drink from the bar. And Aura's like, no, that's not for you. <laughs> it's like, that's funny. Nope, you're only 12 years old. You can't drink yet. Apparently, she cares about that. <laughs> so she has certain morals. Yes, she does. This isn't like, this is another thing, another moment where I'm like, man, she's just savage. Because mm-hmm. she like overhears, oh, uh, what's his name? I was just thinking that too. I don't know his name. Let me look at Oh, uh, what was it? I have it here. Castus. Oh, that is Castus. Okay, yeah. Castus. Yep. She just she overhears Castus having a conversation over mm-hmm. the telephone or whatever. Hologram phone. Hologram phone thing yep. guy. Just boom, shoots him. Just like Yep. No hesitation, mm-hmm. no remorse, nothing. Just savagery. Yeah. Cause he was gonna like give them away or mm-hmm. whatever. And yeah. It was really interesting. She must have like like really, really good like hearing or something to like hear well i think she i think she has like her like the headphone antenna thing thing, like helps her like pick up on different like signals and stuff going around i don't Mm -hmm. know that's kind of what you get the vibe of because she like has like an earpiece and stuff that she like holds her finger to and everything while she's like overhearing that conversation sorry um but it's funny because when she does kill him hondo's like hey hey someone scraped this guy off the floor he sprung a leak (laughs) and that was just like Oh man, it's just like oh, it's another Tuesday. Hondo does have some good, Hondo does have some great liners. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, anyhow, one thing I did notice in this one, Ahsoka, like I don't know if it's like the way they animated her because this is season three now, or 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 sorry, no, we're still in season two, aren't we? Yeah, this is season two. Okay. 
don't know if it's just the way they're animating her or whatever, but she seems more mature. Like from like the early Ahsoka mm. that we knew, like in season one and everything. Well, on um, this one, she's wearing a different. She's wearing different clothing. She is wearing a poncho. Yep. Yeah, but even just like her maturity level, like seems to be increased in this one. She just, I don't know. I love how you can just kind of tell like she's a bit more experienced mm-hmm. now. Yep. Like she's using the force to kind of sense around in the room to kind of pick up on things and stuff. Is it's just cool to see her character develop in her skill levels and everything. Yeah. I just really appreciated that. There is an awesome scene at the end of this episode when they're back on, uh, I think it's Florum with Hondo and everybody. Mm-hmm. The Slave One is there, and it's basically shooting at them and everything with Aura Singh in the pilot seat. Ahsoka jumps up on top of the Slave One and is like deflecting the laser blasts and stuff through mm-hmm. the, the windshield and everything and like chops off one of the wings. That was such a cool looking scene. Yeah. And then she just like jumps off all like superhero pose like and and like kind of like it, it was really cool because you can see her kind of like catch herself with the force a little bit because she kind of slows down a bit as she's falling to the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just like, man, that looked sweet. Yeah. Um, little Black Widow jump. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome, though. Yeah. Like I, I when that moment happened, I was like, dude, that was cool. And Aura Singh might be dead. Maybe. I don't think she, maybe I don't not. Think she did. No, she's not dead. She's not dead. Also, Slave One, not destroyed somehow, yeah. <laughs> even though it explodes. You, you hear it and kind of see it explode. Maybe that was redacted. And it does come back. So I think they repair it at some point because that ship definitely comes back. <laughs> um, but yeah. I mean, it's an iconic ship. You can't just like not oh, yeah. bring it back. Yeah. At the very end of this one, too, like they finally they, they catch Boba and stuff. And I, you almost feel bad. For, for Boba at the end of this one because it's just like, oh, poor Boba. He's like, he's just trying to kill his father's killer. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> but it, it's just like you see it on his face and everything and they do it really well where it's just like he's so defeated mm-hmm. and everything. And it, it is funny because you don't actually want him to kill Mace Windu. Mm-hmm. But you do kind of like... You do want him to get some redemption. some Yeah, you want him to get some closure to yeah. this mm-hmm. somehow. Um, they, they make you care about him. Yeah. Yeah. It was really odd. Like, it's just, I, don't, I would feel so uneasy about the way Hondo, when Plo Koon and Ahsoka arrive on Florum. Yeah. He's just like, come on, I'll bring you to her. And they're like, what's the trap? And he's like, I don't know. I'm a, yeah. I ain't in it. I'm not yep. involved. Figure it out. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. I like so. that too. I don't know. That would just be, that would just make me more uneasy of like, why is Hondo. <laughs> yeah. Staying out of this. Well, I mean, I guess that's what Plo Koon asks. He's like, why are you. Not yeah. like getting involved or whatever. Um, yeah. Should we get to the ratings? Let's get to these ratings. What you brought me today is worth approximately 3720 to one. Come on, let's keep a little optimism. Story, artistry, entertainment value. Kicking it off with story, as always. What you got? I am g- I'm going to say this was my favorite of the stories. Hmm. I'm going to go to 7.4. Ah, uh, this was also my favorite of the stories. I thought this one yeah. had a lot more going on. I gave it a 7.8. Really enjoyed it. There, there's like a real journey that happens in mm-hmm. this one. They go from like multiple planets and stuff, like just trying to track down Jeez. what's going on. Where did the bounty hunters go? They figure out a connection to Aura Singh and stuff with like Ahsoka and Plakloon. And it was just really interesting to kind of see them, like, put together the pieces. It's, like, kind of a classic, like, detective type mm-hmm. of a story a little bit. Like, there's moments of that, at least. Mm-hmm. And just, I love Florum, like, where Hondo is and everything. And I love mm-hmm. Hondo. So, a lot of that culture and stuff involved in this and just, yeah. I, yeah. I love the story of this one a lot, actually. It was very good. 7.8. Yeah. Okay. Artistry. I'm going to go the same thing. I'm going to go 7.4. It was good. I don't have any complaints. I gave it 7.7. Yeah. I thought the performances were very good in this. Like Ahsoka and Plo Kloon, like they were great. Oh, do you know what I've been doing that Mm. maybe I need to reevaluate here going forward? Mm. Artistry. I only think of artistry as the animation. Mm. That's a problem. I should. Yeah. I, I mainly, when it comes to Clone Wars, I'm mainly thinking about the acting. Yeah. 
like the artistry is anything that is artistic yeah so 100 like the acting the visuals the and maybe it's just maybe it's just this episode that i catch myself yeah. only focusing on the animation mm. so i'm gonna yeah i'll have to be mindful of that yeah i i do try to think about both a little bit but i definitely probably focus on acting more yeah normally i do too if i think about it yeah but i mean the visuals in this one were great mm-hmm. like i really loved the aesthetic that they're going for with florum and the planet and everything and the different environments and the underworld and everything they just they did a really great job at like setting the atmosphere for each different environment so yeah artistry 7.7 for me yeah fair lastly but not leastly entertainment value i give it a 7.9 very good yeah very entertained for all the reasons we already talked about um there's just so many good characters in this episode. I'm going to give it an even eight. Yeah? Mm, yeah. Nice. Plocoon. I feel like I almost sounded like Yoda there. Mm. Mm. 8.0 it is. That gives my average rating to a 7.8. Mine is a 7. We've been like within two points of each other for everyone... Yeah, and probably the last couple episodes. Too. Yeah, I feel like we've been kind of coming mm-hmm. closer together with her ratings yeah. lately. <laughs> this this podcast is bringing us closer together. What was yours? Seven point six. Seven point six, which makes the Millennial Falcon Lethal Trackdown a seven point seven. Yep. And that's a podcast. Ain't a books. That is right. Also follow us on social media at the millennial falcon podcast and we'll see you on the next episode where we actually have a bit of something interesting we're gonna be celebrating our one year anniversary and we are also participating in the official star wars podcast day year number four so uh same screen as last time in 1999, February 7th, the first Star Wars theme podcast released their first episode. And so now there's a guy that reached out on Instagram to us. He's like, hey, I get a bunch of podcasts together every year to take to take place in celebrating the community around Star Wars podcasting. So there's like 90 plus shows taking part yeah. in uh, Star Wars podcast day. So we will be releasing a very special episode on that day. Celebrating Star Wars podcasts and celebrating mm-hmm. our one year of the Millennial Falcon. Honored to be a part of this. Yeah. For sure. All right. That's a podcast. That's a podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.